We're in our study in Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 through 25. Global opposition will increase. And when I say global opposition, it is opposition from all sectors will increase against the true church. If you would, stand for reading of the Word of God. These are the words of Jesus. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and father is child, and children will raise arise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another, for assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? This is the word of God. Father, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this time together as the body of Christ to study the word of the living God. Lord, you've given us a message. You've given us ways to live. You've laid out precepts in your word. Now, may we study the precepts that you have selected for us for this week. Move us, Holy Spirit. Touch our inner beings. Help us to know that we have been in contact with the living God. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As you know, the theme of Matthew is Jesus is the promised king. There's a king coming. There's a kingdom coming. The kingdom is not yet. The kingdom is future. The king is going to come and reign for a thousand years in the millennial reign of Christ. We're being trained for that kingdom now, folks. We're living in this world as kingdom of God believers in an evil world, being trained for another kingdom. That's why we're here. Last week we talked about we had, the disciples had a, a message and a mission. Their message was Jesus is the Messiah. They were offering the nation of Israel, they had the offer of him being the Messiah. They were off, he was offering himself to the nation of Israel. Now, ultimately, the nation of Israel rejects, and they reject. In chapter 12, there is a final rejection. The disciples went out into to a world that was very much Greco-Roman. There were no Christians in that world. They were the only ones. They were the, they were the start of this whole thing. So they were going into a very pagan world where false gods predominated, and they were dealing with those false gods. Folks, we are going into a Greco-Roman world today where there are false gods galore all over the place. We're being sent into that world. Now, when we get sent into the world where there's false gods and false ways, we want to remember the principle is that we join God where God is at work. Remember the picture that we had last week, the guy beating his head against the wall. Hey, that's what happens when you're trying to go someplace that God hasn't prepared the way. We want to recognize where God has prepared the way and then enter into that situation. Have the boldness, have the braveness to enter into that. And then we talked about how our world, particularly in the, in the Western world, 
it is devolving. It's falling away from Christ. And we talked about the apostasy and the people just, just not worshiping God, the, the true God, the way that he desires to be worshipped and embracing all kinds of things in the world. And then we mentioned this statistic. 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview. 37%. 27% of Americans attend church on a regular basis. It's the lowest number in the history of the nation and it has gone down precipitously since COVID. Since COVID, 35% of the previously churched have stayed home and never come back. They've gotten used to home church or no church. Now, people like home church because it's all about them. I can watch who I want, when I want. I can drink my coffee. I can lean back on the recliner. I can do whatever I want. And remember, the church is not observational. The church is participatory. We are to be involved in each other's lives. We are to encourage one another even more as we see the day approaching. How do you do that in your living room? You're encouraging yourself, but you're not encouraging anybody else. And no one else can encourage you, by the way, if you're isolated. So we realize that this is what is happening in our world today. The Christian message has been dumbed down by progressive postmodern churches. We have what I called, what is not, not I called, but, but what has been termed syncretism. Remember, all these views being poured into a pot, a little bit of God view, a little bit of the worldview, and out of it comes some sort of whatever worldview that you want. Look, we want to have a biblical worldview that comes from the Word of God, not a secularized, syncretized worldview. That's going to be an important thing. Now, we are being sent out into this culture. We are being fed things daily that are error, an error, constantly. We're being indoctrinated to a worldview that has nothing to do with the true and living God. So what are we to do? We are to be watchful. We are to be courageous. And the text that we use was, was 1 Corinthians 16, 3, watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave, men and women of God. Be strong, men and women of God. That's what it's going to take. Remember, united we stand, divided we, we fall. And I don't know if you remember this, but the baton has been passed to us. Remember the picture we had on the screen? It's been passed to us. And I would say, run, Christian, run. Remember, run, forest, run? Well, this is run, Christian, run the race that has been set before you. Don't give up. Now, this week, global opposition will increase. Now, when I say global opposition, let me say this one more time. What is global opposition? When I say global opposition, you think this. The religious people will come from the religious, government, family members. The opposition will come at you from every direction. It is not just one side that you can just stiff arm and, and move on. No, it's coming all over the place. That's why you need to have your shield of faith, shield of faith, shield of faith, shield of faith to deflect those arrows of the devil, to deflect those worldviews that are coming at you. Now, heretofore, there were safe places you could go to. You could go to your church. You can't do that anymore because a lot of churches are, are again, progressive, seeker-friendly, that sort of thing, where you're not hearing the Word of God. They, most people in America that go to church want the American Jesus. You know what the American Jesus is? They give me that thing, Jesus. I want it, you give me that thing, Jesus. That's what the American church wants. Jesus demands that he runs your life, not you run your life. When we came into the family of God, we submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. I've been bought with a, bought with a price. 
I've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. My loyalty, when I got saved, my loyalty went to my Lord. Loyalty, Lord. The real Jesus in our culture will not embrace the lifestyles that the culture is promoting. Most churches are embracing the lifestyles of the world. That is wrong, wrong, wrong. Run, forest, run from those churches. Go someplace where it's teaching the word. The real Jesus will not embrace these lifestyles. We must submit to his rule. Now, it starts, the opposition starts with the religious people. Jesus is giving us a heads up in verse 16 and 17 from the religious folks. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, remember, sheep have no weapons. They are going out there. They're dumb. They have no way to fight. They need the support of the shepherd. They need to lean on the shepherd as they go out. You're a sheep. As we go out, lean on the power of the shepherd. We're going in the midst of wolves who want to devour you. Therefore, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, that's religious stuff, and scourge you, that's beat you, in their synagogues. This is religious persecution that's coming. Now, Jesus tells us that there's going to be unfriendly people in the world that you're going to be going out into. Unfriendly. Unfriendly in your workplace. Unfriendly in your families. Unfriendly on your teams. Unfriendly wherever you go. They have a worldview that is very different to you. You will go into a world of wolves, and Jesus gives you survival instructions. He says this, be wise as serpents. What does that mean? Be sensible. Keep your eyes and ears open. Be ready to see the danger. Hear the danger. Have your danger antenna up. And then it says this, be innocent as doves. Present yourself to the culture as gentle, peaceful, have a message of truth, deliver it with passion, but deliver it with the proper attitude. Humble, peaceful, and then beware of many. Warns you, the danger's coming. The religious folks aren't going to like you. These religious folks delivered them up to councils, and these guys were scourged, and they were thrown in jail. This happened to the disciples. Now, when we think of persecution, we think that's a third world phenomenon. That's for somebody else. That's not for us in America. But I want to suggest to you, America's changing. And I think that persecution is right around the corner. And I want, to, I want you to really embrace what I'm going to say here. Don't pretend everything's okay. Don't pretend everything's okay. What you're hearing on the news, we're going, to, we're going to come out of this recession. Everything's going to be okay. Don't buy into the every, we're every, this world is changing, folks. Now, we have to approach it in a way. I have the three people here that are going to stand up. It was the monkeys last time. Well, this time it's people. Don't, don't hear. Don't cover your eyes. Don't speak. Look, you can't pretend something's not happening around you. The next picture is going to be what we often do as people. We're ostriches. We hide our heads. This isn't happening. I'm not going through this. This is a very common way that humans respond to stress. It's not really happening. I'm in denial. It's going to go back. I want to suggest to you something. Your world is changing. 
it is not going back to what you thought was normal. I do not believe that. We're not going back to normal. The global reset, folks, is full speed ahead. All hands on deck. This is a heavy press forward. The religious world as it is evolving in America is becoming more and more secularized, meaning more like the world, taking on the values of the culture. You can go to many, many, many churches today that embrace abortion. They'll call it the woman's right to choose. The homosexual lifestyle, transgenderism, open borders, climate change in order to facilitate globalism, that sort of thing. They will embrace these things. True Christians embrace what is written in the Bible, the Word of God. And you'll be criticized and marginalized for this faith. And guess what? Major denominations are caving right before our eyes. In your lifetime, you've seen the Episcopals, and you've seen the Presbyterians, and you've seen the Lutherans, and you've seen the this, and you've seen the that. Now it's come to the, a real conservative group called the Southern Baptist, which is the largest Protestant denomination in this country. And the Southern Baptists are now struggling, struggling with things like critical race theory. Now look, critical race theory has all kinds of Marxism in it. it we're, we're not talking about racist-type stuff. We're talking about what they're promoting to divide instead of unite. Politics, gender, LBGTQULMNOP, whatever else they're going to add on to that thing, issues. Now, this is their national convention struggling with these issues. Should any convention be struggling with whether to embrace these things or not? No. But the Southern Baptists, who are very conservative, are doing that. Folks, it's getting, America is devolving. I have this as the next point. As America de devolves, opposition from religious groups will increase. This is shocking, but it is true. Your instructions from the shepherd have not changed. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves as you approach this culture. Remember, you are going into shark-infested waters wherever you go. And let me say it again. When you go into your workplace, when you go into your family, when you go into some churches, when you go onto your teams or whatever activity you're involved in, you're going into shark-infested waters. Remember Rod Dreyer's book, Live Not By Lies. He was addressing Marxist ideologies that came into Romania and the East after the Second World War. And he had a, a thing that he wanted us to remember, to see, judge, and act in the culture that is coming around you as this thing is coming at us. Marxism is coming at us. See what's going on around you. Don't ignore it. Don't cover your eyes, cover your ears, hold your mouth. Don't pretend it's not happening. See, and then make a judgment. How do we make a judgment? According to the Word of God. It doesn't matter about my judgment. It matters about what God says. So we focus on the Word of God. So in order to focus on the Word of God, what must you do? What is a requisite for that? You have to read the Word of God and know what's there. Most churches have taken this, put it back here someplace where it's all dusty, and gotten out, I don't know what they get out and how they teach, but they've excluded the Word of God as the primary source of information. Make a judgment and then act. When I say act, it means that you speak truth into this culture. You do not be silent. You speak the truth. Remember, the, the truth will counter the lies. The truth will counter the lies. Speak the truth. And how do we speak the truth? 
jugular vein sticking out. No, we're, you don't look like I'm looking right now. You want to do it with love. You want to do it with love. You speak the truth in love. Be discerning, know when to speak, and know when to be silent. Secondly, verse 18 through 20. We know this when there's going to be opposition from the government. Jesus gives you a straight-up heads-up to his disciples. You will be brought. Is there any equivocation there? You might be, could happen. You, know, you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for his sake, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, now watch what he says here. Do not worry about how or what you should speak. And I'm going, what? Yeah. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. It is not you who speaks, but my father, but speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. So listen to this. He gives you a heads up. When you are brought before the governors, when you are brought before governors and kings, I don't know how you feel about this. But to me, this is tension-provoking. This is uncomfortable. I'm not comfortable with being drugged before councils. I'm not comfortable with the thought of jail. I'm not comfortable with that. And I don't think anybody really embraces confrontation. But folks, there's a time when you're going to have to do that. There's a time when you're going to have to stand. There is a man named James Coates. I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but he's a pastor in Canada. And during the COVID crisis, he was, it was demanded that he shut the church down. And he refused to do it. And James Coates went to jail. And he was in jail for some time. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think James liked what happened to him? He explains his jail experience as being rather miserable. Okay? Uh, you think his wife enjoyed that or his children enjoyed that or the church that he pastored enjoyed that? Do you think that Christians throughout the world enjoyed that? No, they did not. But this man stood. He stood fast. He believed what the Bible taught. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Couldn't be clear. That is an imperative statement given in the book of Hebrews. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself. That's an imperative command by God for us to keep meeting together. James believed God's word over Justin Trudeau, okay? And James was a witness. He was persecuted, and he stood strong. I have a question for you. Why would Jesus allow persecution of his disciples, of the church throughout the epochs of time? Why does he allow that? And watch what he says. For my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Remember the word testimony. It's a witness. And you know the word. It comes from the word martyrio. That's where we get our word martyr. Even if you have to do it to the death. Do it to the death. And I would suggest this. That we need to change our view of what persecution is. Change your view. View persecution as an opportunity to stand for your Lord. That's what Paul did. That's what Peter did. You know, Peter, they were thrown in jail, and they got beaten, and they were released, and they started singing and were rejoicing because they could suffer for our Lord. It's an opportunity. We have to look at it that way. And by the way, the only way that Peter could do that, or Paul could do that, or John could do that, get boiled in oil and still have a, have a, a wonderful attitude, 
He was given power by God. God gives you the power and the strength to stand and speak the truth. It's not you, it's him in you. That's what we have to remember. Remember Acts 1.8. This is the promise. This is the, Jesus is telling his disciples, Pentecost is coming. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on the church globally and, be, and inhabit every, every believer. The power of the Holy Spirit will be in you. And he says these words to his disciples then and to disciples of Christ through the epochs of time, including us today in America. You shall receive power, power, dunamis power, capable power, enormous power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, on you. Now, I want to stop right here for just a second. Because when I say the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I think that there are times when the Spirit of God gives you unusual strength, unusual courage to face the things that you have to face. Whether it's a witnessing situation, whether it's a sickness situation, where it's a relational situation, whatever it might be, he gives you unusual power to be able to go through that. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, including us, folks. We have the same Holy Spirit power that Paul had, that Peter had, allows him to stand. When the rubber meets the road, when it's our turn to stand, Jesus tells us straight up, do not worry. Again, that's a command. That's an imperative statement in the Greek about what you should speak. The Holy Spirit will give you the strength at the time. Remember, Corey Ten Boom was, was, was frightened as a young girl that she wouldn't be able to stand for Christ when the Nazis came. And her dad told her, Corey, God will give you the strength at the time. And she was able to do that at the time. She couldn't conceive of it beforehand. This is reality. But at the time, the Holy Spirit came epi upon her and allowed her to stand and speak the truth to live through that awful time. In that hour, in that moment, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of our Father who speaks in you. Look, at Christians throughout the world expect, expect persecution. That's an expected way of life in India. That's expected all over the, all over the Hindu, the Buddhist, it's expected all over the communist world. It is expected way to live. But American Christians think that persecution is for them not for us. Now, look, I don't want persecution. I do not. But, folks, the world is changing. America is changing. And my job is to speak the truth to you. We've studied prophecy. We know what is coming. We know about the global reset. We know about the new world order. We know that things are changing, and Christians are in the way. Christians are in the way. Listen, there's three phases of persecution. Number one is disinformation. Vilify the messengers. That means condemn the message as intolerant hate speech. Have you heard that before? Intolerant hate speech because you're standing on the word of God. It has nothing to do with hating. It has to do with loving. Loving people enough to tell them the truth. Distort the message in the messenger. Number two is discrimination. Take away rights. Like the football coach wanting to pray at midfield after the game and told now he can't do it. It's before the Supreme Court. Like the cake maker who's 
they, who, who has made all kinds of cakes and all kinds of cookies for gay folks all through the history of the business. But when it came to making it for a wedding and affirming that lifestyle and that wedding, the cake maker couldn't do it. That went to the Supreme Court. Discrimination. No longer able to function in public as a Christian with your values, without chastening blowback from the majority. And then finally, there's persecution where there's overt hostility. Folks, we're not there, but it happens all over the world, all over the world. I believe that America is in the disinformation, discrimination phase. Canada is in the discrimination bordering into persecution phase. Interesting, so close. And, and Trudeau's ideology walks lockstep with those who are in power today. Don't think they don't. We're protected by a constitution still, which now they want to review as a changing document that changes with the times. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this. Why the vilification of Christians? We're simply in the way. We're in the way of the new world order. Remember, you are the Holy Spirit-filled church. You are the restrainer that restrains evil in the culture. You're an obstruction to the globalist. And believe me, you're a thorn in the side of the World Economic Forum who's spearheading this globalist movement. They want to change your capitalistic system into Marxism. And globalism cannot proceed in a free society. Let me say that again. They, don't, they want to take away your freedoms, folks. Globalism cannot proceed in a free society. Society must be governmentally controlled to accomplish these goals. In the globalist view, in the Marxist view, that's what globalism is, all about the collective, okay? Individual freedom is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Now, why does that bother us so much? Why does that? If we had a class here, we could talk about that. But I'll give you the answer. I'll give you my answer. Okay? I think it bothers us because God is free. And we are made in the image of Almighty God. We are made in the Imago Dei of God. He has made us free. Because God is free, He made us free. And anything that challenges that freedom causes angst within the human being. They feel it all over. Those people that are living in communist countries feel that discomfort with their freedom being taken away from them. In, the, in this world, it is in this world that we are called to impact, impact. America is rapidly changing. And remember this, exit God in any culture, enter suffering. Exit God, enter suffering. Marxism, the state is your God. You bow to the state. Enter Marxism, exit freedom. Millions have died under the boot of communist Marxism. Now, please hear this. And Clay Jones, in his book, Why God Allows Evil, has all kinds of quotes about different regimes, but I just took a couple out. In Russia, from 1915 to 1989, 20, million, 20 to 25 million people have died wanting freedom. In China, during the Chinese Revolution, 26 to 30 million people have died wanting their freedom. This is what is 
what, what people want to come to our country. This is what is being taught on universities as we all get part of the collective. And let's redistribute wealth. By the way, in Marxist countries, there's still a few that have it all. And the rest of the people have nothing. There's no middle class. It's just all lower class. Let's keep them down. Keep them down. As our world devolves into globalism, expect blowback from the religious, blowback from the government, but I'll bet you never thought it would hit this venue, your family. Verse 21 and 22. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death. This is dramatic language. This is not hyperbole. This isn't just exaggerated speech. Jesus is saying this will happen. And a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my namesake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, you heard it right. Family turning on family. Betrayers will come from your own family. You'll be hated by all, by all for my name's sake. Now, why are you hated? You're hated for your belief in Christ. You, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You believe what he taught. You're hated for that. You're hated for following his teachings. You're hated for believing what the Bible says about lifestyles and worldviews. You're hated because you obey Jesus and not man. You're hated because you are not of this world. We don't belong here, folks. You feel, are you feeling a little more uncomfortable here all the time? A little more squeezed? Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold, folks. No way. No way. Jesus warned us that even the closest relationships will turn on one another. These verses are most applicable, now hear me, to the tribulation period. It'll be most prominent then. But folks, I believe we're experiencing a taste of it now. Just a taste. He, and then Jesus makes an amazing statement. He who endures to the end shall be saved. This could be speaking about genuinely saved who endure to the end and demonstrate true salvation. Those who won't cave to the pressure of religion and government or family. I want you to think with me for a moment. Think with me for a moment. Family betraying family. This happened, of course, in Germany, and it's happened in China, where people are turning people in because that's what the state wants you to do for your safety. Now, we had a mini, a mini example of this recently in the last couple of years, haven't we, with the COVID thing. We've had a mini example of this, and masks and shots. It was a test case, and everything was done for your safety. See, we killed the Jews for your safety, Germany. We're killing these people in China all these believers, for your safety, they have radical ideas. We want to keep you safe. And so they use fear and fear and fear. This is a Marxist tactic. Make no mistake, this is Marxism 101. Open our eyes and see the truth. And remember this, it's always for your safety. It's always isolate those people that are harming the collective. And it causes always Marxism will will, will put one group against another. It was rich against poor. Now they try to use races against one another, black against white. That whole thing is to divide and not to unite. That's what Marxism does. It divides instead of uniting. What does Jesus do? He unites us because we are one people. 
one people. When we say we are one nation under God, folks, that comes from the word of God. We are one united people, not divided. There were even talks. There were even talks of internment camps for the unvaxxed. Thought this was amazing. There was even, there, it actually happened that if you weren't vaccinated, you lost your job. This is the first time in the history of this country this happened. Now, hold on. This is, this is going to get a little better in just a few minutes. I know it's a little tense right now, okay? And fear drove this. This unending fear permeated our minds. People were conditioned and responded just as the government planned. Okay? So please hear that. This is called, when you indoctrinate the mind, the way that the government wants it indoctrinated, this is called totalitarianism. And it's defined as this, total government control over the lives of citizens. Folks, I believe you can sense it. It's coming to America. They want to get away with your constitution. They want to take your guns away. By the way, that's how, you, that's how the Chinese did it. That's how they did it in Australia. That's why there couldn't be any blowback in Australia when they did this. They actually put the Australian people in, in, in camps. Take your guns away. Indoctrination is full speed ahead, all in preparation for a global government. Whenever you hear the new normal, global reset, these are code words for Marxist takeover. A one-world government. Antichrist will be, is the, is, will be the epitome of Marxism. Family members are buying into the lie. Believers with a biblical worldview are becoming more and more the enemy. And again, it's for your safety. Do you know, in Australia, they actually implemented quarantine camps for people that didn't get vaxxed. In Shanghai, China, there was a COVID outbreak most recently within the past few months. And they locked those people up. They interned them in their apartments. They could not get out. And you could hear on microphones people screaming because they didn't have food and water. And the Chinese government did that to many millions of people in Shanghai. Millions. Remember, the collective is more important than the individual. Folks, global opposition is here now in religious, in government, in family. And I want to say this. You might think I'm off the wall, wacky, tobacky, uh, extreme, and that sort of thing. This is not radical. This is happening right now before our eyes. It, conspiracy. Conspiracy. It's a, you're, you're just conspirators. No. The, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. Let, see. See what's going on around you. Don't cover your eyes. Don't cover your eyes and pretend it's not happening. It's happening. It's happening. Planet Earth, folks, is rushing headlong to globalism. Remember, prophecy warns us. And when prophecy, prophecy isn't there to scare you. Prophecy is there to prepare you for what is coming. Not to scare, but to prepare. And for your eyes not to be so fixed on the horizontal but on the vertical. Because what do we want? We want Maranatha. That's what we want. Even so come Lord Jesus. That's what the true church wants. Now watch what Jesus said. When opposition turns to persecution, flee, verse 23. 
and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. That's, isn't that cheery? But he who endures to the end will be saved. That's a tough verse. And that's, it's hard to understand why Jesus would say that to these disciples. He who endures to, to the end will be saved. Now watch what's going on here. Jesus' instructions say, when they persecute you, threaten you, flee to another city. Another city. Now remember, Jesus is offering the kingdom to the Jewish people. The disciples are going out offering. They, he is going out and offering the kingdom. Now the Jews are going to reject the kingdom. Time will stop for them. Remember the 70-year prophecy of Daniel. 490 years are given for your people. And it stopped at the 483-year mark when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and accepts his kingship. They rejected Messiah. In Matthew chapter 12 is the final rejection of Messiah. And the offer of the kingdom will be rescinded there because they ascribe to Jesus casting out demons as doing it in the power of Beelzebub, the Lord of flies, Satan. And Jesus says, that's it, no more. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You are not offered the kingdom any longer. That's the last straw. For assuredly, I say to you, watch what he says here. You will not have gone through the cities of, of Israel before the Son of Man comes. He's talking about the second coming. Had the Jews received Jesus as their Messiah, when he resurrected, at some point after that, the tribulation would have started. And they would have had the mission of going to all the cities, all the area around, to, just, to, to disseminate the information about the true God. They would have been persecuted by whoever the Antichrist would have been at that time. There's many views on this verse, but this makes the most sense to me. Again, had the Jewish nation accepted Messiah, the, tri the tribulation would have started, mass persecution would have started, Antichrist would have persecuted them, and then at the end of that seven years, Jesus would have come back and established the kingdom. He didn't, because the Gentiles were always part of the plan. Always part of the plan, from the foundations of the world. Now, there's a lesson for us here. Some are called to be martyrs, and if need be, die for the faith. If one can escape persecution, now hear this, they should. What did he tell them to do? Flee. Go to another city. Flee. Flee. He didn't tell them to do something irrational, like run after to, to, to be persecuted. Oh, goody, I get to go be martyred. He didn't say that. He did not say that. He said, flee. Flee. But also know this, for those who are called to give the ultimate, there's a martyr's crown called the crown of life, given to those who give their lives for the faith. And again, the only way that you can do that is when you receive power from the Holy Spirit coming epi upon you at that moment. At that moment. God will give you the strength at the time. It's not about you. It's all about God in you. And by the way, that's the same way you go through any illness that's ready to take you out of here. It's God in you that gives you the strength. God in you. Flee when you can. Die if you must. It's God's choice. 
God's choice. Opposition, verse 24 and 25, opposition came to Jesus, and he says, folks, it's going to come to you. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. Remember, we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, become more and more like Christ. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, which they did, how much more will they call those of his household, those who follow him? Jesus doesn't sugarcoat. The world's going to hate you. John 15, 18 and verse, and, and verse 20. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 20. Remember, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, what does he say? They will persecute you. This is not a questionable deal here, folks. If we're in this thing, expect persecution. Jesus knows what is coming. And again, this is the final straw of rejecting Messiah as, as rejecting Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. And the offer is going to be rescinded from the nation of Israel. I want to just make one more comment before we close. America has been insulated in the past from persecution. And I would suggest to you, America is no longer insulated because they have abandoned the God of Israel. We have been protected here from the beginning of this nation because it was established on Judeo-Christian values. It permeates our Declaration of Independence. It permeates our Constitution. It permeates our Bill of Rights. It permeates all the foundational documents of our nation. And we have turned from that God and say, we don't want you anymore, God. And we've kicked him out. America is no longer insulated. They've abandoned God. Believers can expect persecution for the faith. It's happened all through history. Do not grow weary and do not fear. Maranatha is our cry. It's not about here, folks. It is Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus, I hope you have a heart. You know, you get a crown. You get a crown for those who can't wait for Jesus to come back. A lot of the church that wants to hold it off. I'm going on vacation to Europe next week. I don't want Jesus to come. I want to get married. I don't want Jesus to come. I want to graduate from college and make a lot of money. I don't want Jesus to come just yet. Folks, that's the wrong view. It is not about here. This is make-believe. Okay, we have a reality that's coming that is more real than anything that you can imagine. This is make-believe. This is fantasy land that we're living in here. Closing thoughts. I bet you can't, I bet you just take a breath and say, oh, I'd be glad to get out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> the true church is defined as believers in the inerrant, infallible word of God. We make this word our way of life. We don't compromise on this. It's our rule of life. Now, the world looks at us and say, oh, that's cultish. You guys are a cult. You mean you really believe this word? It was written by people. It wasn't written. No, it's written by God-inspired people. That's what it was written by. So many places pick and choose what they're going to be, believe and then discard the rest. True believers have been given a heads up by our Lord 
Expect blowback from the world. Expect it. Opposition is expected. Now, we have I'll go through this review from the religious opposition. And I want to suggest something to you. Those who have a quasi-faith, what does that mean? An apparent or not real faith, will not embrace a genuine biblical worldview. They will cave to the demands of the culture. That's what will happen. Why? Because they don't know what is in the Bible. They don't care what the Bible teaches. They just care what they want to care about. Quasi-Christians will take on the values of the state church. Remember, there was a state church in Nazi Germany that they left alone because the state church espoused what the state wanted. There's a state church in Russia. There's a state church in China. They leave those guys alone. Evangelical churches that teach the word of God, they get thrown in the gulag. They get thrown in some forgotten prison someplace. The state church is told what to do, what to teach, all in line with the state. We can expect this with the new world order. Now, look, at I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying and say, Lord, pre-tribulation rapture, I am like there. I mean, get us out of here. That is what our hope is. And then opposition from government. You know this one. You don't have to elaborate on it. But progressive governments oppose true Christianity. What do I mean by progressive? Now, progressivism, there's nothing wrong with upward mobilization and progressing and that sort of thing. But if it's, if it's defined improperly, there is, it is wrong. Progressivism is a multifaceted philosophy advocating progress and change. Nothing wrong with that. But in progressivism, humanity is progressing evolving in charge of its own destiny, devoid of God. That is not right. That is not progressing. Progress can be good or bad. Becoming progressively godly is good. I think we would agree with that in this group. Becoming progressively ungodly is bad. I think that we're unanimous in that. But listen to this. And I don't think most people realize this. Left to himself, man's tendency is to slip further downhill, to devolve, not evolve, to go backwards and get worse and worse and worse. That's what Jesus said it would be like at, as the days of Noah when he comes back. It gets worse. The Holy Spirit, now hear this, slows down that negative progressivism. The restrainer, the Holy Spirit's filled church, is us and those out there that are still faithful true to the faith, is still at work in our world, restraining the evil that's coming our way. And then finally, there's family opposition. Jesus teaches us that opposition will even happen in families. And I would suggest to you this, blood is not thicker than water. As our world devolves, the lines are drawn, and families will split on who Jesus is and what part he plays in our lives. This can be quite violent within families. The, fam the American family, hear this. I believe the American family, there's a design right now to fracture the American family, to change the nuclear family of one man, one woman for wife. It isn't just about homosexual marriage, folks. It is to destroy 
what God has ordained as marriage. One man, one woman, children being raised in that environment and in God being the center of that whole unit. Okay? That is God's design. So the American family has been fractured. Fractured. Humans have inputs from... Now, I, I was wondering, why is, it, why is it so fracturing so quickly around us? And I think it's this. We get input from so many venues today that increase the likelihood that divergent paths and varying worldviews are coming in to your family unit. As your kids get exposed to things and they take these ideologies on, their minds are changing. Their thought patterns are changing. Varying worldviews. Now look, at in the past, communities were isolated. They were more isolated. There wasn't all this contact with everybody around you. So they were isolated communities. Family cohesiveness existed. Biblical values were the glue that held families together. Close-knit, protective, everybody kind of walking down the same line. That's not happening today. That's not happening today. This is no longer the norm. Folks, the indoctrination is happening not just to the kids. It's happening in your workplace. It's happening in the media. It's happening at every venue that's coming at you to change your thinking. And it splits families from being cohesive and unified together. Now, there is family hope. <sighs> this new world order that is devoid of the true God, there is family hope. Number one, stay focused, stay God-focused. Do not waver from the truth of the Word. What does that imply? Again, you know the answer because you're A students. You're in the Word. You know what it says. Parents are to model the truth. And I want to suggest something to you. There's nothing more disturbing to a child, to a young person, particularly to a teenager, who is being told to do something not to do something that their parents are doing. Don't drink, Johnny. Well, I drink all I want. Don't smoke pot, Johnny. Well, I smoke all the pot I want. Don't, don't follow the crowd, Johnny. Why I follow the crowd. Family survival is going to be predicated on these things. Now, this is me, okay? This, is, this isn't some great thinker. This is just me. And I would suggest this. Do life together. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, have a meal together. You know, this used to be the norm where people would get together for breakfast and lunch and dinner. My mom would scream through the neighborhood, Ricky, Gary, Randy, it's time to eat for lunch. And we would play in ball. Boom, 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 boom. We're running down and we'd get around the table. Now, granted, I would eat that sandwich as quickly as I could. <laughs> And then run back to the ball diamond. And so would my brothers. But at least we're doing it together. We're doing it together. It isn't one grazing in here, one grazing in there, one grazing. No, you do it together at the dinner table. And by the way, have a rule. No phones at the dinner table. How many times are we going to all have dinner together and whiz in three seconds and it's... There's no communication. We're texting one another across the, across the table. Talk to one another, and then do take a fast from the information overload, and I would suggest read more. 
Read more. Not entertain more. Read more. Use your mind. And then worship together. Serve God together. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house. And then do pass on Christian values. Passing on Christian values does not happen by osmosis. It happens by passing on these values. Talking about it. As he says in the Shema, write them as frontlets on your head, the, the word of God. As, as these things around your wrist, put it before them, where you walk, where you stand, when you sleep. All of it. God is involved. There's a psalm that's 16.8 that says this. You want to pass on Christian values, watch this. I have set the Lord always before me. You want to be victorious in this life? I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. Yes, I will set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. And then do be discerning about what you allow into your minds. Guard the television. Guard the movies. Guard what you're... Folks, there's not a single new thing that is coming out that doesn't have something contrary to a biblical worldview. Take a fast. Go to Gunsmoke. There's like 200 episodes. You can still see a hero, Matt Dillon. You might get sick of Matt Dillon after about 150 of them, but... You can at least see somebody with, with values and honor and that sort of thing. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Protect what you allow into your mind. As the truth be told, we are often more committed to, in line with, our church family than our blood family. As the world deteriorates and devolves into anarchy, Jesus did not say, hey, stay close to your church, your home family, your blood family. He said, stay close to your church family. Gather together. You have something in common. As our world develop, deteriorates in, a, in anarchy, stay close to your church family. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to one another. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Global opposition is increasing. It is coming at us from all directions. And I want you to do something. Quiet your spirit. Listen for the master. Our shepherd is speaking to us. We want to hear what he has to say. We have to declutter and allow him to, to come in and hear his voice. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. The siren sound of the world is crying out, no, no, follow me. No, 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 follow me, follow me. True sheep will not listen to the siren sound of the world. John 10, 5 says this, They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Know your master. Look forward to him speaking to you. True sheep only follow the shepherd's voice. And I want to suggest you listen closely. Our shepherd is speaking. And I want to say this with all of my heart. The time is short. 
The time is short. You can almost hear, you can almost hear, listen closely, the footsteps of Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. Everything is in order, folks. This devolving global world that we're seeing is all part of the plan. We know what's coming. Don't ignore the signs of the times. Our world is ready for a great reset. And might I suggest to you, Jesus is going to be the great reset. Not humans, it's going to be Jesus. So as we finish, I have two pictures up here. Don't ignore what is being said. This is, this is just a world, and most of the people in the world are just ignoring and ignoring and ignoring. Next slide, as we end with this, ready or not, Jesus is coming. And all I can say is, thank you. Thank you. He's coming. He's coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to study your word. Thank you that you've given us this word as a template for life, as a way of living. This isn't, not, this isn't a suggestion. This is the words of the living God given to his people how to live out this life here. May we be more and more conformed to the likeness of Christ, less like our old self. May we take on the characteristics of the master, and may we have the courage to go into our culture and to love people that are different, to embrace people that don't want to embrace us, to tell them the truth about who Jesus is, but may we also be discerning in who we spend our time with. If somebody, else, somebody doesn't want it, be ready to come back at another time. And may we go to somebody else that you have prepared. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the things of the Spirit. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.